This episode is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online video platform geared towards making you a better hunter. Watch instructional videos taught by hunting experts like Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, and Corey Jacobson. After the hunt, learn how to prepare your harvest from world-class wild game chefs like Hank Shaw and Jamie Tagan. Whether it's your first year hunting or you grew up doing it, Outdoor Class will take your skills up a notch. Use code EMPIRE20 at checkout to save 20% off. Visit OutdoorClass.com to learn more. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, Deer Camp Edition. These bonus episodes will launch each Friday in October and November and feature myself and other Sportsman's Empire podcast hosts from around the country. Follow along as we update each other on recent sightings and deer activity, share strategies we're employing to get us on deer, and just enjoy a relaxed deer camp atmosphere. As we get started, I want to thank all the partners that help us make this show possible. First up, Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras for outdoorsmen. Tacticam 6.0 and Solo Extreme cameras help you capture your memories from the field so that you can relive them like you're back in the moment and so you can share them with family and friends. Their new 6.0 camera features 4K 60 frame per second footage, up to 8x zoom, a touchscreen display, and one touch operation. And the best part of it is you get all of this in a compact, durable, waterproof package. They also just released their Solo Extreme camera that provides all the features you love from other Tacticam cameras, but in a more budget-friendly option. You can learn more about the 6.0, the Solo Extreme, and Tacticam's full line of products at Tacticam.com or RevealCellCam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. This episode is also brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth is making comfortable, durable camo without the sticker shock. This year, I'll be wearing the Tarnan pattern, hunting the Piney Hills of the Southeast, and the farmland mosaic of the Midwest, and I have confidence that this pattern is going to perform flawlessly no matter the environment where I find myself. You should also take a look at some of their packs. They're, in my opinion, some of the best out there for the mobile hunter and uh, I think are unbeatable at their price point. You can go check them out, see their full line of products at huntworthgear.com. And finally, Deer Lab is the number one app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab helps you store, organize, and analyze your trail camera intel so that you can make data-driven decisions as you target your buck this fall. Go check out their website, DeerLab.com, to learn more about all their awesome features and to sign up for a 30-day free trial. When you're ready to purchase, use the code HUNTDEER, all caps, to get 20% off of any of their plans. Now let's get into this week's show. Welcome to Deer Camp. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast, Deer Camp Edition. And today I've got Mitchell Shirk from the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast and uh, old Nick Otto over there from the Huntivore Podcast. What's going on, guys? Hey, hey how's it going? Another day in paradise, guys. Man, thanks for uh, thanks for making the time to jump on here tonight, gentlemen. Uh, this is true Deer Camp fashion. We got one guy sitting in a, uh, in a uh, gas station parking lot calling in from the phone. We've got uh, Nick, who is calling in from looks like his studio, not quite as cool as the uh, the cutting room, uh, like he was last Nick. week. But uh, Nick, yeah, Nick, you brought some uh, you brought some hors d'oeuvres for us tonight. I did, I did. We last week we we called myself the uh, the the camp chef if we're going to be here at Deer Camp. Um, I didn't want to come empty handed. In fact, I didn't get out tonight, and even Friday's looking a little shaky as far as. Uh, weather goes Saturday really looks like a good day. Um, but anyway, being the first one out of the stand, uh, digitally, I guess, 
I figured I'd make a little something for us, and I did a little pot cooking here. So we've got some shallow fried squirrel. This was squirrel that was taken today, oh, about 10, 15 yards off the field edge. Um, popped that one with a 22. Uh, got them cleaned up real nice, quartered them out. The real trick, I think, on this is you uh, brine it in pickle juice. So oh, nice. the old Chick-fil-A, they, uh, they've been doing that for quite a while, and I've gotten on to their little secret here. Um, so anytime I got a real mild meat, whether it be uh, fish like bluegill, work out really well with like 15 minutes in pickle juice or pickle brine. And then the squirrel here I actually did for an hour. And then from there, parboiled it in some, uh, in some beer. And then uh, gave it the quick shallow fry with, I did flour. And um, it was the windward and westward seasoning which is an upland bird seasoning from wild. Uh, yeah, it was a wild seasoning. Yeah, W-I-L-D-E. I've done some work with him in the past, and so this was his upland bird uh, spice that I put on that. And, man, it has turned out super good. I think the combination of brine and parboil for 25 to 30 minutes really softened it up. Shoot, you could walk into BW3s right now Pick your poison as far as what sauce you want to put on it. And man, these things are just knock out of the park. They're good. Very cool. Do you Nick, I gotta ask you, in all the game like that there is out there, small game, big game, um, like predators, that is there anything that you haven't tried to cook and eat? Oh, the book is totally open. Um I'm I'm from the Midwest and I'm still a Michigan boy who's who's just kind of Went behind the ears getting out places. So I've had a lot of Michigan delight stuff. Um, Woodchuck is still on my menu. Uh, I've eaten a lot of crow, but not in the sense of actual crow. So that is still on the menu. So there's a lot of things that are still there, but here's the thing is I may not be the Andrew Zimmerman. He's the uh, guy that tries everything on food network, but I'm willing to try. I'm willing to get, uh, down and dirty with whatever's coming up. So it, it's open. Um, yeah, I just got to let my opportunist ways put me into those spots where, yeah, I want to, I really want to try coyote. I, you know, I hear about Havelina all the time on, on shows and podcasts, and I really want to try that. I want to try the stuff that folks are like, this is no good except for this small sector of people that just absolutely love it. So, yeah. Well, that's I, have a, I, I have a buddy, and he's here. actually the guy that started the Pennsylvania Woodsman, it, um, and he, he kind of moved on doing his own thing. But he's one of those guys that he's tried absolutely almost everything he's killed at least one time. And the funny story I ever heard was he tried, he actually, I shouldn't say tried, he did. He made a raccoon for dinner. He put it in a crock pot and slow cooked it. And he said the meat pulled apart and was delicious. The best part about this whole story was his maiden try, he fed it to his in-laws and didn't tell them. (laughs) The no-tell in-law feed. That's incredible. (laughs) That is awesome. That is awesome. (laughs) Do you guys do a lot of small game hunting here in October? I mean, for me, and I'll I'll just kind of explain how my whitetail season usually goes or or is definitely going to be this year you know early season I did some hunts and uh for the rut I'm going to have two straight weeks 15 plus days where you know I'm just going all all out right uh this middle of October 
Uh, you know, I shot a good buck in the middle of October last year, so I know it can be done, uh, and I see guys doing it all the time. But there's a lot of other opportunities out there for squirrel and different things. Do you guys make a lot of time for small game hunting this time of year when you're kind of biding your time for for the rut coming up? Uh, I do not. I'll go first. I do not. Um, not that I don't enjoy small game hunting and waterfowl hunting. I'm just that infatuated with whitetails that, like, I've missed out on a couple of really cool hunting experiences, and I kind of kick myself for it, but it's because, you know, Pennsylvania, we got one buck tag, and I'm so infatuated with trying to shoot the absolute best buck I can in Pennsylvania and do that, and if my buck tag isn't filled, it's rare that I'm doing anything else. Um, and you know, and we've talked about this before and beat a dead horse. Like when you get into the busier section of your life, when you've got, you know, family work and kids and stuff like that, and your time's even more limited. The last thing that I do is, is go small game hunting or stuff. Now this year, I, I think I'm making a, an exception. So it's, it's not set in stone, but I might be going on a fall Turkey hunt with dogs um, out to Ohio in two weeks, be the last weekend, Halloween weekend in October, which I never, ever thought I would say I would do that, but it just sounded like too cool of an experience to pass up. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but I, uh, I am making an exception this year, but that's just me. Very nice. That's not with the, uh, with the O2 guys, is it? It, it kind of is. I'm, I'm hoping that it, it happens. I was chatting with Paul and networking back and forth with them. Um, so we'll, we'll see. It's like I said, nothing was set in stone, but we had tentatively picked that weekend and I'm hoping it can happen. Very cool. Very cool. Nick, what about you, man? Do you, do you make a habit of small game hunting this time of year? I, I make a habit to try and get outside. I try to make a habit of being productive with whatever time I had. Like we were talking earlier, um, how I got this squirrel in particular was, we, we had rain coming in. We had practices lined up for a little later this evening and I got home from work. Kids were just kind of, you know, chilling out till practice. And I just said, Hey, dad's, dad's going for a walk. And I, I'm blessed in the fact that my back door leads to my hunting properties. And we have uh, a lot of ag around us being that it's near up near the Turkey farm. So I've got, I've got avenues that are really good habitat for squirrels. Um, not necessarily great, uh, deer hangout. So it really is, uh, a nice way to, to get out in the woods and not disturb a lot of big, heavy used trails. And so to just go for a walk and kind of decompress from the day, that's how I use these times where I'm just kind of pot shooting at this point and squirrels were on the menu here. So I had my tag with me, brought the 22, threw the orange hat on and just kind of went for a walk. And it was, you know, a delightful time. And yeah, 15 minutes in, there's the opportunity. Two squirrels run up a tree. One half, they both happen to go behind the tree and it just, one couldn't, one couldn't hack it. He had to peek around the corner and bam, that's where the old Marlin model 60 smoked them, put them down to the ground, went over, picked them up. Uh, didn't necessarily didn't have enough time to pursue the second one. I know he shot up the tree and I'm sure was watching me. I just didn't have the time to, sit and watch the little nooks and crannies at that point it was all right grab the the one that i got bring it back to the house get the kids suited up and and away we go but uh yeah at least i got the prize on this one i yeah i really just fall into that opportunity 
uh, mindset. So that's where small game kind of lives for me. If it, it's that time where I can't allow to sit in the stand I, or I don't have the time allotted to sit in the stand. So then I'll just make do with, uh, these little mini trips. What I really need to do though, is get me uh, a little pellet gun, throw that in the pack so that when I get up in the tree, I tell you what, I have been badgered by squirrels more this season than I have in a long time. <laughs> they just have been giving it to me. And so maybe that was the motivation. I was just like, uh-uh, I've been barked at too many times. It, it's payback time now. Yeah. Time to pay the piper. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Man, I, I think that's a goal of mine for next fall is to, um, you know, you guys know I, I moved recently. And so I'm trying to find some new properties around me. My, my closest whitetail property right now is probably about 25 to 30 minutes down the road. So it's, it's a little bit longer of a hike than I'm used to. And I know that that sounds silly for some folks who are like, man, I drive an hour and a half to get to where I need to be. But, um, you know, for me, I, I was used to having my deer hunting property 10 minutes down the road or, you know, seven minutes down the road where I can be in a tree stand really, really quickly. But I'd love to have some smaller properties around here or, you know, some permission places where I can just go and run out and shoot some squirrels or whatever, it, you know, do whatever is in season if I've got an hour or two in the afternoon as opposed to, to having to make, you know, I'm leaving at noon to do an all, all you know, afternoon kind of uh, kind of sit. Uh, guys, I got a question for you. You, both of you have kids. Is that right? Yes, sir. So with, with having kids, I have got a, uh, next week, we've got a good cold front blowing through. Um, we're talking, you know, 20 degree temperature drop. And I have got a spot that I have been saving that is about two, 2.2 miles in to this piece of public and really difficult to access. The only problem is we've got a really busy family schedule, right? Like we've got a lot going on. And so for those afternoons, it would be tough. Like I would be spending some serious capital to, to get out in the woods on one of those afternoons when this cold front is blowing through. Do you guys, is it worth it being October? Gosh, I guess it'll be 17th or 18th when this, when this cold front blows through. Is it worth it, do you think, to spend some of that capital to get into this spot, or would you guys hold off? Nick, go ahead. You know, if things are lining up, you know, you, you, risks have to be taken. And if you are setting this up to be one of those, this is going to be it, like I am confident, that I'm going to run into that buck. I'm going to run into something really good and I'm going to put it down. It would definitely be worth the capital, even necessarily during this time that people have claimed to be the October lull. Uh, I'm no expert. I mean, I, I listen to all the other podcasts to figure out what's going on, except I have seen deer all throughout October. And I think that if you've got the Intel, you have things lining up, I'd say spend the capital right then say, Hey babe, I need you to take the kids for this. And then not necessarily try to earn it back, but to be like, Hey, how about you do this the next weekend that you then at that point, you back off the next, if you're going to go in hard, be ready to play that and then be able to backpedal and, you know, re rebuild the stock. 
need, yeah. need, to, need to say. Yeah, and th- this is a spot where um, there was a white oak a couple of weeks ago that was still holding, and the acorns were still pretty green. They weren't dropping just yet, and there was uh, there was good buck sign in the area already. So I'm I'm relatively certain that I am in the bedroom in this spot. Uh, and it's, like I said, it's tough to access. I'm also pretty certain that nobody's going to be in this, in this area. Now it's public land. I could be very, very wrong. Then again, I don't know how many guys are walking over two miles in, you know, middle of October kind of thing. Uh, there's no rifle hunts or anything like that on this property just yet. So I don't know, Mitch, what, what would you do? (laughs) I can tell you right now when it comes to that, that specific topic, I'll talk out of both sides of my mouth (laughs) because, um, this past weekend we had a cold front come through and when you looked at the weather, it's got everything lining up the way you would want it in the beginning of October. And, uh, where was I? I was at our wedding Mm. and, uh, could I, could I have slipped out of there for the afternoon? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I could literally see, the, where I hunt from the wedding venue. And I could have easily just said, Hey, uh, Leanne, I'm, I'm skipping out of here and I'm hunting in the evening. I chose not to, um, could that have been a good night? Absolutely. But you know, I, I'm going to rewind. So like I listened to episode one of deer camp and you guys had a conversation talking about, you know, how do you guys manage your time this season? You know, how do you manage efficiency and this and that? And, you know, I used to be, I, I used to say all the cliche things about, oh, I try to manage my time by, you know, watching the weather and, and this and that and, you know, try to buy it at this opportune time in the season, you know, later October, early November. And, you know, if it's a warm day, I, like, I used to do all that. And I've kind of just gone with the logic here recently that I don't agree with any of it. And the reason I say that is, some of the absolute best bucks that I've seen and killed have been on the days where you would think I'm going to sit in the couch. Like literally two years ago when I killed the biggest buck of my life, it was October 23rd, 75, 80 degrees. It was nothing about it was a day that you would expect. Like I literally the day before had the same weather and worked longer and then found out that the buck that I was after showed up in a bedroom near one of my cameras and he was there all day long. And then I went in and killed him. And that's not just one instance. So, you know, you guys were talking about how do you, how do you manage your time when you go and sit and when you don't, I truly look at my season as it is a marathon. And the only thing that matters to me anymore is the wind is the wind direction going in a, in a place where I can get into my stand location undetected, be on stand undetected and get out undetected. Um, and, and that's really all that matters to me because at the end of the day, while I do think there's weather things and everything else that can, uh, can favor deer movement, I've never ever seen it consider. Like I, I had instances like even this past week in my hunt, like it was after a heavy rain and it, you know, you thought, okay, deer are going to be holed up. They're not going to be out in this rain. They're going to be on food. And, you know, this night's going to be a great night. And I saw deer, but it was not the movement I expected. I've had so many instances where I thought it was going to be spot on, and it wasn't, and then had the opposite happen. And I've just come to the conclusion for me, um, 
look, whatever time that I get available to hunt that I'm not going to be burning bridges with my family, I'm going to figure out how to hunt it. Now, hopefully I have the wind direction to hunt the best spot. If I don't, but I have the free time and I can go hunting, I'll go hunt somewhere else and try to learn something. But like, you know, what you're getting at, Josh, with do you want to go in and hunt that cold front? I mean, you got a lot of a lot of notches that say this is in favor for me to try this. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that either. I mean, you you, you go with the best information you know, and you and you try to make it happen, and you're you're hoping you get lucky. But I, like I said, I, I knew I would talk out of both sides of my mouth. But that's just been my philosophy here lately when it comes to when do I burn brownie points and when do I go hunting. Yeah, man, that that's really good. I so I could go on Monday when it's kind of at the very front end of this front blowing through and I would burn zero brownie points. Um, and I'm going to have the wind that I want. So I, I think I may, I think I may go that route instead, instead of trying to play the whole like, Hey, day after the front came through kind of game and, uh, just see what happens rather than, um, you know, rather than rather than burn those bridges, kind of like you were, kind of like you were saying. And I've I've got a trail camera in there. It's not a cell camera, um, so I don't know what has been going on. But I'm certainly going to learn a lot when I go in. And that's another reason that I really want to get in there anyway. Is is I want to hunt it so that I can check that camera and see what's coming in and out. It's on some really good north south deer movement, and my access is going to be straight from the east. So it's really like the ideal setup. I mean, the deer bed up on this ridge, uh, the white oak is kind of at the bottom of the ridge, and they are moving down. They move from north to south with uh, some really, really, really good concentration and then kind of fan out from there. So my access is super clean. I'm not concerned about overhunting the spot or blowing the deer out necessarily because I think I can get in there quiet, but... Yeah, I think that's what I'll do then. So, okay, if it doesn't work out, don't blame me though. No, no, I, it's all your <laughs> fault. It's all it's one hundred percent on you. Uh, and yeah, so the next episode will be will be giving you crap about the bad advice you gave me. Hey, that's all right. I can take it. Gotcha. And folks, this is the host of How to Hunt Deer podcast, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you pick up tips as you go along. That's right. Number one. Blame the Pennsylvania woodsman. That guy's a yep. clown. That's right. Blame other people. So, uh, well, well, guys, speaking of uh, speaking of giving people crap, so uh, Andrew Muntz from the O2 podcast was going to be on here tonight, said he couldn't make it, but he texted me just a little bit ago. And he gave some advice to a guy uh, that had reached out to him, and uh, he just kind of said, "Hey, here's where I would go in and hunt." And I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can put this up on the uh, on the camera here, so you can you can pick up on this. Uh, the The guy sent him some pictures and said, "Like, hey, where would you hunt? You know, I I don't know exactly how I would approach this or where I would go necessarily." And Andrew was like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm not sure I'm your guy, but you know, here's kind of how I would." Uh, here's kind of how I would approach it. And the guy texted him back like two hours later and it put this buck on the ground. Oh, absolute slavery. Yeah. I bet Andrew's on cloud nine. Yeah. Well, man, he's like, he's like, you know what? I, I, I can't figure this out myself, but I can give people advice and put them on deer somehow. 
So, uh, and you know what? I've learned that that's almost as exciting as anything. Like I do group hunts later in gun season. And when you're with a group and you can help somebody get on. So that's, that's as much fun for me. Oh yeah. It's so rewarding. Like so rewarding, but you know, yeah, it's, uh, but it's one of those things, right? Like if, uh, if the advice doesn't pan out, uh, you know, always there's, here's a tip for you. Always have somebody to blame. So, uh, there you go for next week. And it doesn't Andrew, work out for me. Yeah. If it doesn't work out for me, I'm, I'm blaming Mitch and I'm uh, your man, Josh bases are covered there. So, uh, guys, recent hunts, man, how have you guys been in the timber or are we, uh, are we slow playing it here? Well, we're going slow play here in Michigan. Um, yeah, since the last time we talked, the only deer I've had, uh, no, I take that back. I was going to say the only deer I've had experience with was in pieces in front of you. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> I went and sat Sunday and I had, I had a spike come in and so to be able to watch him, he came in, uh, he came in in a spot where he didn't pick up my wind, uh, crossed in front of me and then was startled, but it, it wasn't working with my wind at, at that point. But then I'm thinking, it, I think there was something else that was bugging him, but he then ended up going back and forth and he just kind of played this clearing, uh, where my shooting lanes were at. And he kind of played there for about 20 minutes. Um, it was nice to be able to just watch him move and just, again, kind of get into that pattern, this being like the third set of my year so far, but just to be able to work in like, oh, how do I hide behind the tree now that I'm working out of a saddle right now? And like, oh, can I, can I work myself around the tree here? And now, now I need to work myself back. And it really was kind of one of those exercises on keeping myself behind the tree. At this point, you know, if the wind does shift, like I'm going to get busted by this little thing, but you know, I guess at that point, that's the best, best thing to be busted by is this little spike. Cause he's going to roam all over the place. It's not really going to blow everything up, but um, yeah, that was the experience I had was just getting to chance to be in the saddle and uh, yeah. Watch a spike for a little while. Yeah. Nick, is this your first year in a saddle? This is year two in a saddle. Um, yep. I did pick up a platform. I was working with a, uh, well, it's a, one of the small platforms that, stick on top of the sticks. You actually bolt that on. Yep. Um, friend on the east side of the state uh, makes the, the artisan platform. Oh, yeah. And I, I really enjoy that. It's just one less thing that I have to carry into the woods because it's just strapped onto the stick. Um, only, only downside of it is that if I try to spin completely around so that I'm looking away from the tree, I have to do a ballerina plie off one toe where it's barely touching anything. And it's a little, it's a little, little, little disconcerting as you're, you know, spinning around up in the tree like that. Oh, yeah. Um, so I did pick up a, a platform. I went, I went cheap on it. I have a tethered, uh, saddle, but I went with the Hawk, uh, platform. And I, I've seen a lot of people talk about it and they're like, you know what, you know, there's, this is backwards and this is weird and it's just not a good buy. I get it, but I picked it up for 40 bucks. Like yeah. what, what are you going to, what, what are you going to do? And I can make do, I'm, I'm a DIY guy. So if I got to pull that off, I got to get a different 
Um, I know guys were getting different um, uh, parts that stick next to the tree, the standoff. They were getting different parts for that. So I may end up doing that, um, throwing some sticky tape on this thing. But shoot, man, for 40 bucks for me to try something new and just a new style to bring in a platform, I'm all about it. I'll give it a, I'll give it a shot. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. Their gear is made by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen. Archery openers are just around the corner, and Tacticam just released several new products to help you share your hunt and take your scouting to the next level. Topping the list is their 6.0 point-of-view camera, providing 4K footage in a user-friendly, waterproof package. They've also just released the new Solo Extreme, giving you HD footage, 3 to 8x zoom, and one-touch operation that you've come to expect from your Tacticam point-of-view camera. Tacticam's lineup of cameras is supported by the best mounts and adapters on the market. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount as well as their bendy clamp mount to make sure my cameras don't miss any of the action. And last but not least, they just launched the Reveal X Pro. With no visible flash, built-in LCD screen, and built-in GPS tracking, the Reveal X Pro will help you take your scouting to the next level. You can learn more about these and Tacticam's entire line of products at Tacticam.com or RevealCellCam.com. This episode is also brought to you by Deer Lab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. Deer Lab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them like deer or turkeys or people. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target, and you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you forget to correct the time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com to check them out. You can get a free 30-day trial, and then when you're ready to buy, use the code HUNTDEER, all caps, for 20% off of any plan. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, that that that's hard to beat, man. 40 bucks. I So I've got the tethered um, Predator platform, so kind of the you know, the, the standard and the Hawk is like a direct copy. I mean, it, it looks like they just made their own, you know, they were like, we're going to do exactly that thing and, uh, and make it. But, um, I haven't heard bad things about the Hawk. I mean, there other, other Hawk products I've heard, you know, the quality control hasn't quite been there, uh, with like some of their stick stuff recently and some of the suction cups not functioning quite properly. And, um, but yeah, I haven't heard bad things about about the platform recently. But uh, yeah, I'm in year, I guess probably five of saddle hunting, maybe six at this point. And um, yeah, man, it it feels weird to sit in a tree stand at this point. Like it just it's it's so um, I I love being able to move around a tree, like you said, to to stay you know concealed and to be on the opposite side that that the deer are coming in on. But uh, Mitch. Have you been out lately? Yeah, you know, I've had a, a pretty good hunting season so far. So Pennsylvania opened up October 1 here. And uh, believe it or not, probably one of my favorite weeks to hunt um, out of the entire season is opening week. Um, I've just had a lot of experiences with uh, seeing mature buck, um, having some mature buck hit the ground. And uh, it's been my, uh, it's probably been one of my favorite times. Um, so I was able to get out, you know, believe it or not, with my, my family schedule, I was able to get out uh, three times opening week, opening night. I had, I, I saw a bunch of buck. I saw a bunch of young buck. I think I saw like 
five or six year and a half old and two and a half year old bucks. And uh, the, the last uh, 20, 30 minutes of daylight, opening night was real rainy and miserable. And I had, um, I had a buck step out in the field and it was one of those buck when I looked at him, I was like, Ooh, that's a good buck. And I put my binoculars up on him, And you know, like I said, I'm, I have in my mind, I'm trying to shoot a deer that I think is a four year old or older. You know, it's the places I'm hunting and my goals I set for myself. And this buck stepped out and I knew he was a good buck. He was out past his ears and looked at him. I'm like, okay, I remember that deer from, from last year. And I saw pictures of him this year. He's a really nice buck, but he was a three-year-old. I thought, I'm like, I'm not going to shoot him. And out behind him stepped the buck. And I'm like, right away, I looked at his body. I'm like, well, he's bigger than that deer. He's probably a four-year-old. And I was looking at his rack and I'm like, I know which buck that is, but I didn't think he was that big. So I'm like, the last 20 minutes of light, I'm looking at this deer and I'm thinking, that's a shooter. Why, why am I not picking my bow up? I just kept looking at him. Is he a shooter? I, I kept like, second guessing myself, like talking myself in and out of it. And finally I decided that's a shooter. I'm, I don't know what I'm waiting for. I'm killing this deer. And I picked my bow up and it was 40 yards. It was getting dark. The, uh, it, it was rainy. And I'm just like, you know, I know I can make a 40 yard shot, but I just feel like I'm forcing it with the, with the weather and everything else. I just thought, you know what? I'm not, I'm going to, I, then I put my bow back up and I, I didn't shoot. And, uh, I, I can't get that out of my head because it was a, it was a really nice eight pointer. Um, so I had a great opening night set. And then last week, you know, you guys were doing this episode at, for, for deer camp and I was going to hop on, uh, but I had a change in plans. I was deer hunting and my one buddy texted me and said he, uh, he shot his number one deer and uh, I ended up being part of that recovery. And it was a little bit of a rodeo. We didn't get the deer out until after nine o'clock Eastern. Uh, but it was great experience to be with him and recover this deer and everything else. So I, again, it was just another opening week. I, I saw a deer I should have killed and just kind of took too long to decide I was going to kill him. Uh, I was part of somebody else killing a shooter and we were seeing deer. So it was a, a great week of hunting. And what a, what an awesome way to kick off the season. Yeah, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Let, let's hope not man Let, let's hope not so hmm. let's let's talk a little bit about hmm. kind of the week ahead do you guys have uh big plans for for getting out or uh you know and if so maybe what's uh what's your strategy what are you what are you looking to do this uh middle of october time frame before you know before maybe some of those uh, scrape areas are really heating up Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this weekend. We've got, we got later soccer games on Saturday, Friday, Friday evening is kind of a toss up with weather. Um, just in the fact that, you know, like Mitch is saying, like, shoot, it doesn't matter weather right now. It's just the, the wind play deer are going to be on their feet doing their thing. Um, whether I'm in the right spot or not is I guess up to me, but I was kind of going to take a look at what, uh, precipitation was going to look on Friday. I kind of was going to go easy on Friday at least, but then Saturday morning, try to go in on far side, uh, hit up towards public land. And cause we, we butt up against that as well. And to see if I can't get some of these, uh, different corridors and see if deer are moving in that area. Cause notoriously 
if deer aren't on one side of the farm, they're definitely on the other side of the farm for whatever reason. I'm not necessarily sure, uh, why they move over there. I haven't figured out like a weather pattern. I haven't figured out even like a, a crop rotation on, you know, when this gets picked, then they, they move around over, over onto this side. But the idea of heading over there and kind of scoping things out and hopefully coming out with a, a semi-early doe is kind of the game plan what we want for this weekend. Nice, nice. And Mitch, what about you? So as we speak, I am, uh, you said earlier, I'm, I'm sitting, I decided last minute, uh, worked out with my wife's schedule. Um, I took tomorrow off, so as this airs, I'll be up at camp. But I have a cabin about two hours north of my house, and I don't do a ton of archery hunting here. I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm trying to, to place myself up here more and more because I'd like to be able to spend more time in archery season up here to kill a buck with my bow. Um, I, I've, I do some rifle hunting up here. We do a group hunt I've talked about in the past. Um, so tomorrow my goal, I'm, I'm going to have my bow with me. It rained a lot here. I'm going to be able to cover some ground quietly. I'm hoping to see some stuff, but it's, it's as much tomorrow a uh, scouting mission because I'm planning, uh, I think the second week of November, I'm planning to come up here with a group of guys on an archery hunt. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to do a couple things. I got a couple cameras I still have in my backpack that I'd like to get out in a couple locations that I know they should have been out long already, but my schedule just didn't work for that to happen. Um, so I'm going to be putting some cameras out in some of these locations where I know there's scrapes. I'm going to be looking for some other hot sign. Um, just, and, and it's not necessarily that I, I'm going to be using that for when I come up in November, some of it I will, but it's as much just trying to learn this big wood setting of like, gosh, I think it's like 60,000 acres in this big woods public land that I'm, I'm trying to learn. It's as much for future seasons. Um, you know, one of the cool things we have in Pennsylvania, we have a three week archery bear season that overlaps with our deer season. And, you know, it's a great place for me to put myself in the position for a buck and potentially see a bear. So I'm trying to do some scouting for that and also some hunting there. Uh, now, as far as like the upcoming week, um, I'm still on food. I'm still, everything in my mind revolves around food. Um, not necessarily that buck are constantly coming out and feeding at these places. But what I, what I've learned in the past is mid October, um, if, if, the, the doe groups that are in the areas that I hunt, if they continue to use those food sources in daylight, at some point a buck that I'm after is going to slip up and come and check them out in these food locations. So I still kind of go off of that. Um, Saturday I have a, the, the wind forecast is kind of squirrely. It's kind of very light and variable, but it's supposed to be warming up in the morning. And there's one stand in particular I'm hoping it works for me to slip in there. It's kind of um, not far from a food source um, in the midst of bedding on a, on a man-made travel corridor, and there's a water hole there, and it's, it's had a lot of deer activity there re- recently. But it, it's kind of a dual-purpose a dual purpose place for me because out of all the, all the places in my mind, it's one I've actually had a lot of bear activity on, and Saturday is the opening day of our bear season with the bow. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking dual purpose. There was mature buck going past there. I could easily see one of these mature buck slipping past that specific location. It'd be the first time I would be able to sit there the entire season uh, so far. 
But uh, I could easily see uh, a bear going through, going past that section because it's happened in a lot of cases. So uh, I'm still sticking to food. I'm still, I'm still mostly hunting in evenings, um, mostly because of my schedule and just the way the property lays out. It hunts better in the evenings. But, um, you know, again, I, I, as I said earlier, like if I get an opportunity and I can make it, I think I can work that I can get in and get out and be undetected. I will hunt a morning, but it's, it all is based on the wind. And I have a couple locations and they're mostly nothing is, I don't have any spot that I'm looking like. I think I'm in the heart of a bedding area. Like I, I don't have those in many cases. Um, most of it's like a transition between bedding or it's close to food. Um, and I'm kind of sticking with that, um, until we get into the later part of October and November. Man, I, so I, I'm excited about your episode that launches tomorrow morning. So we're recording this on October 13th and you've got an episode launching tomorrow morning, uh, uh, specifically about bear hunting, uh, in the big woods, something new for me this year. Uh, I actually got two bear tags with my hunting license in Georgia. Um, so I have an opportunity to, to shoot a bear too. I think it's going to be kind of an opportunity thing. Like if one comes by, then that's kind of, you know, plans will change very quickly, but I haven't put a lot of effort into like scouting for bear or anything like that. And we can't bait or anything. So any, uh, any quick tips that, that you picked up on that it's like, all right, if you're hunting in kind of a bigger woods kind of setting, you know, here's, here's what you should be on the lookout for. Cause I don't even know where to start when it comes to trying to get a bear down on a, you know, 30,000 acre piece of public. Well, the, the best advice and thing I can tell you is, um, you know, get lucky. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've hunted bear since I'm 12 years old. Um, I still would not consider myself a very good bear hunter. I'm still, that is an animal that, um, it just intrigues me. So I, I'm fortunate, you know, Pennsylvania, you talked about baiting and hounds and all that. Like we don't have that. It's man against beast in Pennsylvania. Um, I've been fortunate. I've killed two bear in Pennsylvania with a rifle. Um, and, uh, both of those hunts were big woods, Northern Pennsylvania, um, with a group of guys making drives and kind of, you know, moving stuff around in the woods. And both those instances, bear were chased in some way, shape, or form to me, and I and I got them. Um, but you know, the thing I learned in, in like that episode we did tomorrow, you know, the one, uh, you know, one of the things that Todd was talking about. Uh, Todd's from Western Pennsylvania, and there's some big woods out there, but it's it's not as much of the mountains, and he, he has some adjacent cornfields and swamps, so it's a little bit of a different habitat type than than what I'm used to in Northern Pennsylvania. Um, and, and I'll bring this up. I, I just recorded an episode I'm going to release in a few weeks with some guys who are like really good bear hunters in Northern Pennsylvania. And everybody says the same thing. It sounds so simple, but it's all related to the food. The, the thing that we, we get, like all three of us are deer hunters and we think small home ranges, you know, relative to a bear, you know, a buck might be what, three to five square miles maybe. Um, and that's kind of easier to navigate. And according to the bear biologist in Pennsylvania, when I did an episode with her, she said a, a, a male is maybe 22 to 25 square miles of a home range. Wow. 
So when you think about navigating that big of an area and then trying to find a food source, like Northern Pennsylvania, like it was so fascinating in Pennsylvania. Like we have an interactive map for bear and like as, as bear get harvested throughout the year, the, the, our, our game commission will update that map where bear are getting harvested. And what's so cool is you can look at a County and you might say, okay, five were shot in this township, six in this township, couple here. Then you'll find this one County where, or this one township within a County where 30, 40 bear were killed. And you find out that it just had one heck of a mass crop there. And there was just a pile of bear there. So, I mean, if, if you get into a situation where you've got ample supply of food, you, you're probably going to be in, in, in bear. I mean, like I said, by no means am I, am I the best bear hunter or something, but I, I've learned when you're in, when you're looking at all stuff for deer, you're looking for edge and terrain and you try to put yourself in where it's a high odds travel area and there's food there. I feel like I've got a good chance of seeing a bear there when I hunt up in Northern Pennsylvania. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's, uh, that's about as much as I can give you. Yeah, no, that that's good. So there's, so this, this piece of public that I'm going to be concentrating on, um, in Georgia, it, it's very, very large. And to the far North side, there is like one cornfield in the entire area. And just off of that cornfield, the terrain is pretty gnarly. Um, pretty aggressive. It would be really difficult to access. Um, so if my focus shifts to a bear and, you know, that's kind of primarily what I'm going for, I may try to shift up that direction um, because the mast crop here so far from what I've seen does not appear to be, uh, it's not a bumper crop, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was talking about it with some of the guys that I, I just did this episode with. And, you know, when you think about deer, you know, let's, let's say you, you pick this big woods and you're like, I'm going to go check this ridge out and this, this side hill, and I'm going to, I'm going to scout a little bit and I might not be finding what I want to find. You know, a lot of us, I do this, you know, from a deer perspective, I'm thinking, I'm just going to go see what's in the next pile over a couple hundred yards. And what I learned from a couple of the other guys that are really good bear hunters is they go, okay what's what's a couple miles up the road like like from where their camp is they'll drive a half hour sometimes you know every year a different place just looking for food i mean and they'll just go you know they'll they'll drive 30 miles if they know that there's food there because that's where they think the bear are going to be so i mean uh if you if you're thinking bear i mean i i'm I'm still learning this and trying to figure it out but it seems like you just got to be a little bit more mobile than you're used to in your in your deer mind yeah yeah. Nick, does, does Michigan have a bear season? Um, we do. Uh, we got a, a pretty big uh, bear season. I have not really participated in bear hunting at all. Um, is it one that I'm totally open to? You betcha. Um, I know it really he- relies heavily on bait, at least here in Michigan, because um, it's up, it, it's in the northern part, and it's like a wall of green. Like, you you're going to be stepping on the bear if you're, you're out spotting and stalking for these things. So I know luckily you can still use bait. That's about all that I know as of right now. Would I love to get my hands on a bear ham and some fat to play with? Absolutely. But yeah, when it comes to, when it comes to my involvement with bear, it is, it is very novice to non-existent. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I have been putting in for, um, 
for uh, bear points in Wisconsin. And it's very similar there. You can, uh, it's, it's pretty baiting heavy. And then there are a lot of guys that run dogs and the success rate for those who hunt with hounds versus those who hunt over bait is crazy different. I mean, guys who hunt with hounds have super high success rates on bears and guys who are hunting over bait mm, could be hit or miss kind of thing. But uh, so I, right. I, I will eventually land one of those coveted northern Wisconsin bear tags. It just may be another six or eight years um, before I'm able to get my hands on one. I've heard, though, that you better have some buddies when it comes time to get that thing out of the field because you're basically rolling a, a jelly ball uh, out of the timber. <laughs> So I'll tell you a quick story. Um, one of the, the one of the infamous stories. This is before I was even hunting, but it, it it's just a, a famous story in the camp that I go bear hunting. Um, one year they killed a bear that field dressed four hundred and ninety pounds. Jeez! And in order to get it out of the woods, um, we we carry every bear as a group, so that way you don't ruin your rug and everything else. Um, but it died at the bottom of the mountain. They had to take it to the top of the mountain, and once they got to the top, it was three-quarters of a mile. So I think they shot it on a, a Monday afternoon, and they might have took it a few hundred yards to the main hollow. You know, they had it gutted and opened it up overnight, and then they went down the next morning at 7.30 in the morning, and they didn't get the bear back to like 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I believe. And in order to carry the bear out, they had a, a pole going up the middle of it, and four cross pieces, so they'd have ten guys on the bear at one time. They had two guys working a block and tackle, so that way when they were going up the hill, they didn't lose any ground. And then they also had guys scouting out ahead to find the path of least resistance and taking hand saws <laughs> and cutting a basically like a fire trail to get the bear through the woods. When, when they came back to camp, they were spent. So it was like the fun ended after the trigger was pulled. Oh, man. <laughs> My goodness. That's incredible. Man, you know what? I, I don't think I actually want to get one. Uh, I, <laughs> Just do what I do. Shoot a smaller one. You know what? That's actually a really good idea. I I mean, if a bear comes out, it will be my – it'll be the first time that I've seen well, – I take that back. It will be the first time that I've seen a bear in the wild with a bear tag in my pocket. I um, In South Alabama, where I've, where I've hunted in a number of years, there's actually a, a really strong population of black bears. And a lot of people don't know that about South Alabama. The, they're not very big, but but there are a lot of them on, on some of these properties. In fact, the lease that we were on, um, the guys before us lost it because they got in trouble with the DNR for shooting bears on, on the mm. property. And uh, one morning I was walking down this long trail, and a guy had passed me on a four-wheeler going down further onto his spot as I'm walking down this, this, uh, this road. And I come up to a bend, and the, the moon is out, and it's kind of bright, and I see this big black blob in the middle of the road, and I'm like, that guy parked his four-wheeler right where I'm going to walk up into my stand. Like, I can't believe he would park his four-wheeler there. And uh, then that big black blob uh, ran up into the woods. And I was like, okay, that was <laughs> that was not a four-wheeler. Uh, and, boy, that, you know, having only a bow in my hand, I, I was I was pretty freaked out at the time. I didn't, didn't really know what to think of it, but um, – Anyway, so one yeah, that distance, the hunter and prey relationship can switch real, real fast. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? It, it may not have been a huge bear, but they don't have to be that big uh, for me to not want to get smacked by one of them. Um, 
So anyway, anyway, well, guys, we are uh, we're we're coming up on uh, close to about fifty minutes here. Any last minute thoughts to leave people with, or uh, any last minute hating on Mister Munts who wasn't able to uh, to join us this evening? <laughs> oh, I can't hate on Andrew. I I, I like Andrew a lot. I, I I I'm actually like it's easy to give Andrew a hard time or give each other a hard time because we're guys, but I'm, I'm kind of in a mode right now where I'm sympathizing with Andrew. Cause he's been, I know he's been struggling with, uh, getting, you know, getting deer, uh, deer fever, I guess he, I guess he was having doe fever and some shooting blunders and everything else. And I, I can't tease him at all because what he's going through, I've been through on so many accounts and I've been trying to work through in my shooting and on game. So I mean, I, I I I tell him to just keep grinding. He's he's doing a good job. I really hope he can lay the hammer down on a buck this year with his bow. I know he wants it so bad, but no, I, uh, I like I said, I, I'm just I'm still I'm still focused on food. Um, you, we didn't even talk about cameras, and I kind of wanted to pick your guys' brain, but maybe that's something for another time next week. But I, where I'm at with cameras, like I don't have any recent information on specific deer that I'm interested in, which it's kind of driving me crazy because it, it might help me with some of those locations. A lot of those cameras are just soaking and are not telling me what I want to know, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping in the process with, with the right winds, I can get in, hunt some locations, allow me to pull some of those cameras and, and make calculated decisions for end of October. It's I'm, I'm, I'm just playing that waiting game right now or that mental game with myself, but I'm it's, I mean, we're in it. I mean, this is the time we talk about all year long. It's finally here. Exactly right. Yep. So, nope, this week is, or this weekend, yeah, just try to get out in the woods. That's going to be what I want to do. Um, hitting the opposite side of the farm. Uh, haven't, I mean, I've seen seen deer, but it's just not not playing out the way that it should be. So, let's try the other side. Let's see what we can find over there. Um, you know, I, I'm glad to hear you say cameras. I, I don't run a ton of cameras, but at the same time, I do have uh, a friend's piece of property that I have access to that I haven't done anything with. And shoot, I mean, the worst thing's worse is just leave a piece of property that you have access to alone. So maybe that's where I need to get my cameras over and just start letting those soak, seeing what's over there, seeing where deer are movement. So, no, Mitch, I think you got me on, uh, on yeah, kicking me in the rear here and actually doing some hunting rather than just some cooking <laughs> well guys good uh good luck this weekend i hope you uh are both able to get out and have some good meaningful hunts and hey if you kill a buck or a bear on top of that then even better yeah absolutely good luck to you guys and everything and, and josh best of luck with that situation in your cold front um i'm gonna sound like a genius if it works and if not um i probably Keep, I tell you, keep me posted. Text me how it goes. Depending on how that hunt goes, that'll dictate whether I show up next week for this conversation or not. <laughs> I don't know if there's enough bandwidth for all the ego. If Mitch is right and Andrew had his guests, like, shoot, man, we're, we might as well just sit back and watch. That's right. That's right. <laughs> ne- next week's episode of Deer Camp could be, uh, could be one for the books. Uh, I think it's getting better and better because we're creeping in on that time. I can't wait to hear about uh, Josh's success, Nick's success, everybody's. It's it's shaping up pretty good. Yep, absolutely. Well, good luck, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Have a good week, boys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Thanks to all of our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Deer Lab. If you're looking for some more great whitetail content, 
Head over to thesportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other show, The Wisconsin Sportsman, and the shows of all the other guests from today's episode. 